I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The COB is presented by Rabobank, awarded 2023 SMSF Savings Bank of the Year by Mozo. Well, welcome to the COB on this Monday afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. And I'm Danny Okuye. Danny, uh, not the best way to start this week. No, a bit of a sad face. We're not looking green on screen. In fact, we're rather red on screen today. There we go. SIBO, 200, off almost 10 points or 7 tenths of a percent. And the ASX 200 looking very similar, also off 7 tenths of a percent or 51 points around 7,000. 227. So not the way we like to start the week, but hey, it's only the start of the week. Yeah, the start of a very big week. And that's in keeping with our three themes. You know, we're keeping a very close eye on China, particularly what's going on in the property Mm. space. And we'll be chatting with our our special guest about (laughs) that in a little while. You're going to want to stick around to find out who it is. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, we've got the rates looming large. And it's not just the FOMC. It's the BOE. It's the BOJ. Exactly. It's a really, really big week. And these bond yields are on the move at the moment. And, you know, just a reminder that when the mighty bond market (coughs) starts to push those yields up, it's never, ever really good for asset classes. And, of course, that goes to our theme, Aussie tech. It's, you know... Techs, longer dated assets, very, very sensitive to these high yields, although they did have quite a, a weak lead from uh, NASDAQ yeah. on Friday. Absolutely. And I think it's the worst day in three weeks for the local tech sector. Mm. So we did chat with the likes of Harry Watt from Market Matters and Sean Partners earlier, and he gave us a couple uh, tech names that he'd be selling and one that he'd be buying. You can find Ooh. that interview <laughs> up online if you're interested Here's a look at the tech index. <coughs> Do we have it? <laughs> there we go. And Excuse so me, we exactly. So really, it looks like zero is taking the full brunt of the selling today, off almost four percent. Wise Tech Global off about two point two. Altium similar, and uh, Technology One. Now they're probably coming up to their reporting at some point over the next month or so because they report out of cycle from memory and block off about one and a half percent. So uh, energy sector. Let's have a look. And uh, interesting to see, despite the fact that we've got <coughs> Brent crude at US ninety four dollars yeah. a barrel, and I was. Chatting 
chatting today with uh, Clyde Russell from Reuters and he made the point that there are other, because um, it's not all just Brent crude, there are other crudes out there and some of them are already over US $100 a barrel. But in spite of that, we've got profit taking across the board there in the energy sector. And uh, I can't remember, is that stake from Vitol selling Viva Energy? Yeah, Have they yeah, got away? Last they, week, yeah, yeah, that's gone. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's still weak there. I thought it was also interesting to note that um, we've got Chevron saying that full production has resumed at mm. its strike hit Wheatstone liquefied an LNG facility in Western Australia. So a fault last week cut production by about a fifth. Um, you know, it's interesting you just overlay that with the strikes that have been set to run until the end of the month. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still the unions, at least, are flagging their intention to extend the industrial action. So lots happening in that space. Absolutely. But petrol. You had to fill up your car recently. No, because I drive a hybrid. You have done for years. Well, there you go, Danny. <laughs> so I try. A, I don't drive very much, and B, because it's a hybrid, uh, I don't fill up very You're much. Ahead of the game. So let's have a look at consumer discretionary. Harvey Norman off by one point one percent. Wes Farmers almost a percent. Ditto for Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi. Again, probably no surprises, although not as bad as the tech sector. And there we go on the industrial. Industrials, uh, yeah. computer share is still so sitting we in there. Okay, I'm, I'm making a note. I'm going to fix that tomorrow. All right. Um, but it, uh, yeah, just interesting that uh, really Seven Group and Warley, um, which have been quite uh, popular mm-hmm. in terms of uh, a lot of the experts talking about, particularly Seven Group, what a great outlook that they had. But they're taking the brunt of the selling pressure there. And uh, there's a bit of corporate news yeah. as well, isn't there? Well, this morning began with a bit of news from Sinlay and A2 Milk Company. So they have have gone their separate ways. Uh, A2 milk share is still down by 1.3%, but Sinlay milk had a record low, so it canceled those exclusive rights. Um, it said that Sinlay's delivery performance in fiscal 2023 was below the required level for it to maintain such rights. So we did speak with Brad Hobson, or sorry, Brad Gordon from Hobson Wealth in New Zealand this morning, who gave a bit of a bit of a view on that one. And then Costa Group. Yeah, that uh, private equity company. So they've reduced the uh, price uh, for the the buyout there for the remaining shares, about 85%. I think it's gone down to $2. No, I can't remember off the top of my head. Apologies. We'll find out in a second. Um, But they have reduced it and the shares appropriately were off about 5% today. $3.20 per share as opposed to $3.50 a piece that was made in July. So that's not good. And guess what? It was the stock of the day. Let's listen to what our expert guests had to say. See the the price reduced, but they are still interested in in buying the business. They've currently got just shy of fifteen percent. Uh, our valuation on the stock, without the bid, is three dollars ten. Prior, when the the previous bid was at three fifty, we we had a valuation of about three dollars forty. So our analyst had uh, attributed about a seventy five percent chance of that bid going through. Um, after today's announcement, I suggest that they might be having another look at that that number, and perhaps the valuation comes down to to closer to our three dollar ten, uh, or you know even that three twenty sort of figure. But uh, yeah, we've got a hold on it. So if you've currently got stock in it, I'd be 
holding this. So, you know, we, we typically don't really like to venture in to the agricultural space too much. There's always difficulties there. And, um, you know, if you're in the stock now, you know, you, you're probably not happy with the revised offer. Uh, doesn't look like there is much of a premium at all. So you'd rather kind of wait it out because it's obviously one of the better positioned asset bases out there for its sector. Um, and, you know, over time, you'd expect the cyclical factors to change and, and, and the stock to benefit. So, you know, you'd probably be waiting in there. Um, and at this kind of revised lower offer, yeah, you probably wouldn't be too happy with an acceptance, I think. Yeah, so that was, um, look, not a ringing endorsement of no. Costa Group. They no. are very cyclical, very at the whims of, you know, Mother mm. Nature pricing, everything else. If you'd like to watch that episode, Koshi was back in the seat. Mm. So that's up online as we speak, also available in podcast form. Uh, Danny, I think I'll give you the pleasure of introducing our next guest. <laughs> oh, well, welcome to the COB, Carl Roda. Should we say welcome back to the COB? <laughs> From Capital, <laughs> Capital.com. Hey, Kyle, lovely to see you on the other side. Oh, it's lovely to see you too. I, I have to say, I'd prefer to be talking uh, in the flesh with you, of course, as always, but this, this will have to do. Hey, well, you know, you're welcome anytime. So let's get to business, shall we? Asian stocks really suffering to start this week, but uh, it could have been worse if you look at Chinese shares. Yeah, it was an interesting little sell-off that we saw at the start of the day's trade. I don't know how much of that was to do with that kind of knee-jerk response uh, to the Evergrande news that we got that I think it's three or four uh, employees of their wealth management division have um, basically been arrested for, for reasons that I can't quite ascertain <laughs> myself, at least in, uh, in, the, in the public news flow. So uh, we did see a little bit of a bounce back in, in Chinese equities, but it was a fairly thin t- uh, day's trade. It had to be said we had the, the Bank of Japan, oh, Bank of Japan, we had Japan offline uh, for, uh, I believe it's uh, Respect for the Elderly Day today actually so uh, we uh, we didn't have uh, too much going on in terms of cash treasuries uh, in the US and if you did sort of um, I suppose wander around Twitter early in the session there was um, a, a technical glitch mm-hmm. in the two-year mm-hmm. yield which sure it jumped up to about 5.3 percent and you had the typical doomsday is coming out um, prognosticating that this would be the, the week that the world ends 15 years on from Lehman's um, but overall I mean we, we just sort of saw a really thinly traded mark and of course um, as you said off the top Danny the second you see yields move higher and higher right across the curve and a fairly significant bear steepening, you can pretty much write the day off for equities more often than not. So um, a lot of positioning as well, one would imagine going uh, into into this week, um, we're going to be very, very keenly watching the you know dozen central banks, not, not to mention sort of three of the biggest um, handing down policy this week. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Kyle. It is. Um, so there was a technical glitch was there with the US two year. That's why it went, or was it the Aussie that you were talking about? No, it was a, from what I understand, it was a data feed. So yeah. um, basically, treasuries weren't trading in Japan today um, or were very thinly traded in Japan if they even started trading today at all because of this public holiday. So everyone was running around, you know, very, very frantic as if um, something had actually happened in the market. Uh, but as I understand it, what I could get to the bottom of was actually there was a data feed that went wrong somewhere. It, 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 the the two-year was reading that it was at 5.3%, which would have been a 30 basis point move in the, in the matter of moments. <laughs> um, and I can tell you, if that would have happened, everything else would not 
not have been as calm as uh, as 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 it actually was. There would have been total panic because the two-year yield is probably the most important price in the in the world at the moment because it's really just um, a reflection, obviously, of, of Fed rate expectations. So, as I understand, it was a data feed. Keep calm, carry on. Although um, you know everyone says that September is the time for, for crazy things to happen, we've still got two weeks of left of that, but uh, that, that that it could occur. Um, but um, fortunately enough, it wasn't today. Yeah, I was uh, on Twitter around the same time, probably following or having some of the same people pop up in my Twitter feed as uh, you, Kyle. And yeah, um, look, could have easily got carried away with what was going on there. Someone with fat fingers. I was going to ask, the FT did a, uh, an article which um, has been picked up in the another, uh, another news feed. Um, they're talking, they did a survey, Kyle, um, of 40 economists and basically 60% of them reckon the Fed's going to go again once, if not twice. Now that you've got your feet under the desk, are you getting any feelings around whether or not uh, the Fed is going to hike again? Or well, that's why maybe this meeting is so important because they might throw out a couple of crumbs for the market. I'll give you three things there because, and there's one thing that I was thinking the other day uh, about you, Danny, because uh, we often joke about how I, I don't have much of a life and I spend a lot of time just looking at different parts of the rates curve. But two things, this this meeting obviously this week is going to be important as to whether it flags or the Fed flags it will hike again before the end of the year. September's kind of taken off the table, but we get the dot plots, obviously. Markets are pricing and we'll call it a 45% chance that there's another hike uh, coming from, from the Fed. So that's going to be important. But I think the key conversation in markets at the moment is uh, this concept that a lot of people are having to relearn because we haven't had to speak about it uh, for 15 years. And for me, um, uh, as youthful as I am, have never had to speak about it at all, is uh, is the trough rate, which is effectively not only where, obviously, or where the rate gets um, uh, for, 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 for US interest rates after the next cutting cycle, which gives you a bit of indicator of where uh, neutral rates are in the United States. Now, that trough rate has been rising at about by, by about 100 basis points over the last six weeks or so. So what you're seeing, this is also being manifested around the value of the curve, uh, that markets are pricing in these higher for longer dynamics mm. and expectations mm. are really starting to feed in now that, yeah, maybe the Fed as well has another 25 basis points in it and keeps rates higher for longer. The other interesting dynamic, and this is where, um, again, I uh, was thinking of you, Danny, um, if you do look at um, interest rate settings and if you do look at the curve, typically when it starts to signal monetary policy is tight, it is, of course, when the federal funds rate gets above the two-year yield, which suggests that policy is sufficiently restrictive, everything's going to start to slow down. But you don't start to see things really crunch until that spread gets to around about 100, 100, what, sorry, 100 basis points, which is where the 08 crash uh, occurred, the dot-com crash uh, saw a recession uh, so shortly afterwards when that happened, uh, and also in the early 90s, if not late 80s. We haven't got to that level yet, which suggests that maybe there could be more tweaking to go, especially if you're of the opinion that really the Fed does need to break something to, to actually get inflation down sustainably. So those are the few things that we're going to be looking at. But for the time being, that that um, changing expectations about further rate hikes is definitely um, being, well, slowly priced into the market. Well, Danny on your mind with all of that, I can assure you they actually are more fun than that might make it seem. She's a riot, actually. Um, okay, so what happens then? So we've got RBA minutes here tomorrow. Bullock is now RBA governor. Are we just marking time until this FOMC meeting? Because it does seem to be you know, fully baked in that there's not going to be a move happening at this meeting. Different story for the BOE. But do you think that there's just going to be a bit of trepidation as so far as you know, investors really wanting to take on a lot of risk? 
The next few days, yeah, without a doubt, I think the Aussie might be expressing that reasonably well as well. It didn't move much today with the bond market dynamics, which says to me, again, that none of that was to do with monetary policy expectations or anything fundamental to the economy, some sort of technical thing we can sort of just move on from um, for, for, for today. Um, but we're going to deal with these um, numerous cross currents. And, I, you know, it'd be probably worth mentioning too, although policy isn't expected to be changed, that the PBOC meets on Wednesday as well um, to discuss uh, loan prime rates, one year and five year, which, again, expected to remain unchanged at four point. 4.2% respectively. It's still really influential because if there's anything at the start of the week that's been really significant, of course, is effectively what's going on in China. Once again, we had uh, the CSI 300 touching um, year-to-date lows very briefly before bouncing. So, yes, I mean, the, the Fed's going to be the biggest thing. The biggest thing from the Fed is checking on the dot plots, seeing what the Fed says about potential further moves for interest rate uh, hikes, as we've already mentioned. But we, we chuck in the China story. We've got the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan at the end of the week, and then we've also got an, another half a dozen central banks meeting as well, including the Rix Bank and the Norges Bank as well. So the, the point of that is that markets are going to be dealing with all of these cross currents in, in the space of three days or so, as well as a few data points out of the UK, which means that, you know, although it might end up being just a little bit of a blip, uh, you know, once all, all things are said and done, it's going to be a lot of moving parts uh, as investors try and digest all their little individual parts of this story over the, over the next three mm-hmm. or four days. So for me, it, it says that, you know, there might be a little bit of risk aversion coming through. Again, the Aussie dollar for me might be a bit of an expression of that over the last couple of days. Um, and it's just going to be a, a matter of trying to digest this the best we can as we really just get flooded with this this data and information. Kyle, in all your readings on the weekend, um, anything about oil? Because um, US brand is back up to $94. And uh, I was chatting to um, a client at uh, Rogers saying some other benchmarks are actually over $100. I mean, it's just interesting. I mean, it's not necessarily great, but anything that you've come across? Well, I suppose the benefit of being back in, um, I suppose, a, a dealing room is just getting some of the uh, voices over your shoulder of, of, of what's going on in the oil markets. And um, obviously, we know the narrative, um, especially last week, of this you know incredible deficit that's looming in terms of global energy supply, or at least as OPEC is forecasting it, the largest it's been in about 15 years, if, if that does come to fruition in Q4. Um, but we're seeing, start, starting to see a bit of a, a sort of a steepening um, in uh, the, 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 the curve there. So going into um, a fairly significant contango there and sort of potentially express, expressing two things. One, that there is this um, supply deficit that's going to be building uh, right across energy markets across the globe too. There's also maybe as well uh, some seasonal factors starting to play into things because although uh, we had quite a mild summer down here and quite a, um, a temperate winter in, in Europe uh, last year, that maybe there's some concerns that the weather might be so friendly to us uh, come the northern uh, hemisphere winter as well as the summer hemisphere uh, uh, summer. Um, so, yeah, it looks like really we're starting to see along those sort of futures curve, the market's really pricing in the price, that the, the prices could really ramp up into the end of the year. And of course, it's one of the reasons why we're starting to see yields run up at the back end too, because, well, we're discounting the risk of further inflationary pressures and much stickier inflationary pressures as well. All right, Kyle, we'll let you get back to your dealing room. Sounds like you're loving it. We still favor the newsroom, but you're welcome back anytime. Hey, uh, have a good one. We'll speak throughout the week. Bye, Kyle.
Let's get across some of these market leaders on this Monday afternoon. And now that the curtains have come down on the S&P ASX 200, we can tell you oh, look that, at uh, yeah. Paladin, again, that uranium trade. Yeah. They're, they're, I think Semico, whatever it's called over in the States, is having a few problems. And uh, it's, it's a producer. So really interesting to see that uh, the money just continuing to move into that stock. Yeah, I think prices were up about 20% um, just recently. So watch that space. Data 3, it's not on this list here, but it's actually up by 1.7%. On no news, that has me scratching my head, actually. Uh, Illumina as well, Illumina up by 1.7%. I have not looked at the trice, uh, price of aluminium, but um, interesting that yeah. one as well. That core on the list, it's out with its um, 2023 annual report. Um, we'll have to give that a read to see what they're saying about the outlook going forward. It's one of those companies that, um, yeah, lots of uh, love coming from at least some of the um, yeah. investment analysts that I speak with um, just because of its resilience even in the face of a consumer slowdown. Yeah, and looking at the Home Co daily needs rate, now I know you have a, a, a regular guest uh, whose name is Rudy Philippek van Dyke, and he has been liking that stock. So that one is going up. I think mm. he also owns it. Um, and Auckland International Airport up to $7.20. So that's interesting, up to 1.34% today. All right, let's get to some of the laggards. And Silver Lake is the worst performer. It's acquired about 383 million shares in red so that's about an 11% stake in that gold producer. It says that it's a strategic investment, but um, I can't say that the market is loving it. Uh, we've got Silver Lake down by 8.3%. Otherwise, Costa Group is one of the worst performers here. That's as we mentioned. Yep. The uh, Payne Schwartz has cut its takeover offer to $1.49 billion dollars yeah indeed and i was just having a look nothing on uh imogene that i can find out there actually there seems to be a bit of a discrepancy in terms of what my mm -hmm. screen is showing with some of these brain chip which can be very volatile also off by about eight percent and uh, also lake resources and sierra resources now both of them very very volatile and uh off <coughs> excuse me around seven percent so yeah, quite a bit of profit taking there in some of those uh, smaller companies. Yeah, all right. Some to, of the small to mid cap space. Let's just see what our feed's bringing us here. 4DS Memory made some changes. I do believe, now I don't want to misquote myself. I knew it earlier on. Just let me um, make sure I'm right. But I think there were some changes to its leadership. Um, PYC Therapeutics, I didn't see the news associated with that. It's up by 12.5%. And on the laggards for some of these small to mid cap companies, we've got Big Tin Can. So uh, yeah, last week updated the market on Friday about uh, its quarter and it did have a really good day, but um, off by 12% mm, today. So much volatility in those small caps. 
Uh, now, anything happening over it's, tonight? It's, it's been so, quite quiet. Yes, indeed. We've got that USNAHB Housing Market Index for September. Lots of talk around US housing at the moment because those mortgage rates have hiked back up again to 7.5%, which is really high. Um, UK September's right move house prices. Again, more on house prices. And Canada, housing starts. Yeah. It's a housing kind of evening. Just, uh, yeah, I guess it is. Um, now that you pointed out but yeah reading that the uh, house prices in the UK likely contracted again rising rates diminishing affordability and we've got that BOE uh, expectation to hike by 25 basis point wages you know really strong inflation strong in the UK even though other mm. parts of its economy continue to suffer Tomorrow, we've got RBA meeting minutes yep. here locally. Maybe not too many surprises, I would have thought. That's really, you know, new governor, Michelle Bullock, who took charge today. But these uh, meeting minutes are obviously in the past. Uh, Eurozone uh, August CPI as well as US August housing starts. That'll be obviously tomorrow night. Yeah, but again, you just kind of feel like we're marking time we until are. we get some of the big ones later on in the week. Uh, look, tomorrow, like today, some companies trading ex-dividend. There's a lot of companies trading ex-div tomorrow, but um, no other really big corporate stuff on the new, horizon new that I can Hope see. may have reported um, this afternoon after the close. Let's have a look. Okay. Uh, no, they haven't yet. They were due to report today. I've read that in a couple of places, but no, nothing there. Nope. Sorry. Okay. Well, we'll keep Leading our eye on astray. that one. Uh, yeah, should we check in and see how the markets have closed? So uh, there's the ASX 200. Well, let's start with the SIBO 200. There we go, down 7 tenths of a percent or 10 points. Uh, looking pretty similar for the ASX 200. It's off 48 points to 7,230 or 0.67%. So in the lead up to the US session, I just thought it was interesting seeing something coming across my screen on Reuters that Blue Scope Steel, its share price was down today quite significantly at one point as much as 3.7%. They're tracing that back actually to those United Auto Workers strikes oh, in really? the United States, mm. just saying that it could affect the company's US-based North Star mm. bottom line that's coming from City. So that's one to watch because, yeah, we, we haven't talked about it a lot today, no. but that is a pretty historic uh, move being made in the States by the auto workers. And, you know, it's sort of sign of the times. You've got to it say is. Well. And it's been a very long time since we've really had such big strikes or, you know, the risk, the threats of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure those analogies to the 1970s will start popping up, dare I say, again, between oil prices and strikes. <laughs> Well, let's call it a day, shall yes, we? Okay. Um, and we'll see what tonight brings. And we look forward to getting you through all the detail in the morning. Thanks for listening or watching. Mm. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.